You're listening to episode 15 of the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. I'm Jason Tucker, and I've settled over a billion dollars in copyright claims for the world's largest studios. Over the last 15 years as the expert pirate hunter, IP problem solver, and enforcer, I have helped shape copyright law, the processes, and the landscape that exists today. So how do you keep your IP organized, protect it from pirates, and make even more money off of your content? With real-life insight and stories from the trenches, this is the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. On this episode of the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast, you will hear a discussion between my old friend Michael Brandfold and myself that originally aired on Michael's Music Biz Weekly Podcast. And if you get a chance, it's in the show notes. Please listen to his podcast and check it out. Though this was tailored for do-it-yourself musicians, it applies to anyone who's putting out content. Now, Michael is a music marketing legend, having managed the online efforts for Kiss and Motley Crue, Rod Stewart, Madonna, Ozzy Osbourne, and Britney Spears, just literally to name a few. And each week, Michael discusses the latest events in the music business and music marketing events and techniques. In this episode, you're going to hear a wealth of information usually only learned through trial and error. You get insider tips and tricks from years of experience that can help you grow. In addition to his podcast, Michael's a freelance music industry consultant based in Northern California. You may not know his name, but if you listen to music, you've definitely experienced his work. Gene Simmons of KISS uh, first tapped Michael's skills as a pioneering online marketing strategist to launch and manage all aspects of KISS Online's multi-million dollar enterprise, including their groundbreaking VIP program. Now, Michael's company, Michael Brandfold Marketing, leverages his years of experience to provide direction to large and small clients in the areas of online and social marketing, as well as e-commerce and customer acquisition and retention to music and bands. I hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold. My other co-host, Jay Gilbert, is coming back from New York City today, so I'm flying alone. Um, Before we get into an amazing show today, I just want to remind everybody, we've got some incredible sponsors behind the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Of course, Bands in Town. Uh, love them. Love everything about Bands in Town. Thank you so much. And of course, HypeBot.com. Thank you for everything you guys do to support us as well. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Bandzoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online in minutes. Choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates. Then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. It's built for musicians by musicians. Bandzoogle has all the features you need for your website and EPK already built in, including a merchant download store to sell your own music and merch commission-free, a tour calendar to promote your shows and sell tickets commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send out professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from all of your online services, including Twitter, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And of course, live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Plans start at just $8.29 a month, which includes hosting and your own free custom domain name. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your 30-day free trial and be sure to use the promo code, code, promo code, Music Biz Weekly, all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code Music Biz Weekly to build your website and EPK today. And I want to give another shout out to one of our brand new sponsors, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media. for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs has just become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you'd need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends over at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. We got a special offer for you. 
Get free shipping on CD orders of 100 or more from Disc Makers with the code FREEBIZ, all one word. Again, that's FREEBIZ, up to a $150 value. Just enter that code when you check out at DiscMakers.com. So today, as I said earlier, I'm flying solo. We do have a special guest joining us today. We are joined by a gentleman I've known for a number of years. Um, we're joined by Jason Tucker. And just a, a, a real, we'll, we'll get into everything that Jason's about in a minute here. But Jason's a successful intellectual property management and infringement enforcement expert with over 10 years experience. That's a lot of big words, meaning Jason knows his stuff when it comes to copyrights, trademarks, pirating, DMCA takedowns, all of that type of stuff. We are going to talk about why musicians slash content creators should register their work, where you can register your work without a lawyer. Jason created a company called Battleship Stance, his IP management and enforcement company over 10 years ago due to his own frustrations with people pirating his content. Since then, he settled $100 million plus over the last 12 months. No competition. He's got international experience. He's an expert witness. And guess what? He's not an attorney. He knows this stuff. I encourage you, let this roll. Pay attention. There's some incredibly valuable information that's going to come out of this discussion with Jason Tucker. Everybody, I want to welcome this week's special guest, Jason Tucker. Jason, you and I have known each other for on and off for a number of years here. Um, and I don't know why it took so long to finally get you on the show to talk about this a massive wealth of, of knowledge you've got. But welcome. Thank you for joining Thank the you. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Um, so why don't you give us uh, you know, a one, two-minute high level, who are you, what do you do? So I am. Uh, it's tough. It's your uh, elevator some, pitch. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Some people, some people call me a pirate hunter. Uh, other people call me the wolf. Really, uh, I'm, I'm an intellectual property management uh, enforcer, um, and I would consider myself an expert in in the industry. And really, what we do um, is we help studios and now uh, artists across the board um, manage. Uh, their intellectual property, so copyrights, trademarks, patents, um, more effectively from start to finish, because everybody nowadays is a content producer, um, but and they're they're experiencing a theft on some level, but they don't know what to do, and they don't know how to protect themselves and what they can do, and so there's a lot of helpless feeling going on, and that's really so. I've had this company, Battleship Stance, for about 15 years now, um, and we we handle um, uh, the music industry, we handle the the adult business, and we handle mainstream Hollywood. Uh, uh, and now the cannabis business, uh, uh, managing and enforcing and rights. Uh, uh, and so, uh, and that goes into different areas, but the, the main focus now for me, uh, cause that kind of runs itself is educating the masses in what's possible with your intellectual property. So we launched intellectual property HQ.com, uh, to provide tools and services and then the copyright and intellectual property podcast to help spread that message and support it. You know, I, I I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you know, your intellectual property and protecting it. I mean, when I started my podcasts and my business, the first thing I did is went out and trademarked the names and, you know, sure, it cost me, you know, a few hundred dollars to do it. But, you know, it's the peace of mind of knowing you now own it and nobody else can do this. Um, it seems like in the world of music, intellectual property is a big big word, a big phrase that a lot of people don't quite understand. What, what is it? What does that mean to me? What, what, do, you know, I'm just releasing an album here, an EP or a single. What do I got to worry about? And, and all they do seem to have any worries about is, is somebody pirating it. Is somebody just stealing the song? And that's the end of their worries. Uh, so I would back it. So that's that's a lot. So let's um, sure. let's take that in little bite-sized chunks. So right off the bat, um, uh, I think that we're in an amazing time, especially for artists. Uh, there's never been more platforms for. Well, you know this as a marketing expert. There's there's never been more platforms for distribution. There's never been more opportunity. But with that, uh, uh, unlike days of old, um, 
artists themselves need to be proactive and responsible about managing their intellectual property. So that EP, those songs, the lyrics, the the music itself. And so that starts with, um, now when you create it, you own the copyright. But the first thing you should do is register that copyright with the U.S. Copyright Office. And, and it's, it, 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 depending on how you're registering it, it's about 35 to $55 right now. But the, the reality of that is now you have protection should you need to enforce it past just sending notices. And, and you see that play out more, more frequently now with, um, with songs and, and lawsuits and whatnot, not saying that you should get into a lawsuit, but you can't do any other action until you, until you have those protections. The other part to that is that, um, by having those protections, uh, other artists labels, the industry now can't mess with you as frequently as they do. Um, and I, I think that that's a big piece that gets missed. Uh, sometimes the, the industry takes care of the industry it doesn't take care of the individual artist. The individual artist may get caught up in something and be collateral damage, but that's not the industry's concern. So if, if whether you're a member of the RIA or using ASCAP, whatever it is, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the same as a copyright registration. So you need to, to take that into consideration. Don't think that they're looking out for your best interests. You need to look out for your own. And that kind of applies to, to everything in life. De- um, de- definitely. You know, and you know, We've we've talked on this show before that this is a lot this is a lot more than just your band logo. That's one that is one piece of it's, your it's one element. It's one right. element. That's, that's that's your trademark. So that's, that would be your trademark and and your logo and your name is a trademark. It, and then all of the elements you actually create around your music is 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 all material that should be registered with the copyright now, office. Now, you know. <laughs> With our audience being musicians and a lot of them who don't have managers, don't have labels, they're they're DIY artists, um, I can immediately hear people going, oh my God, I don't even have time to freaking make a post on Facebook. Now I'm supposed to start managing all my IP and, and registering all this stuff. And what, what, is, what is the work that's involved? How difficult is this to do on you your could own? Do- Okay, so on your own, you could register all of your work and look for it and decide what to do with it or send out notices or enforce it all within about an hour a month. It, it shouldn't take you longer than that. Um, even even if you have massive amounts of infringement, you could even do it in a shorter period of time. So, um, and and uh, I, I don't want to sound like I keep plugging it, but if you go to intellectualpropertyhq.com or iphqs.com, we have blog posts on exactly the the steps that you can take to do this, but uh, uh, especially for music and 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 um, and whatnot. So it starts with going to the copyright.gov, setting up an account, and registering that work. It's simple step by step questions: um, who owns it, when did you release it, if you released it, put the name, you upload it, you pay for it, and now it, it, you get a case number. Uh, that case number ideally should go into an Excel spreadsheet or someplace where it's safe along with the title of it. So you know what you now registered and, and within, you know, six months to a year, you'll get a registration notice in the mail, uh, and it'll show up on their database, but at least that's, that's the start, right? You have your registration number. The next piece is, and that doesn't take, once you do that once you can save that as a template. The other part of that is you can just keep doing it because it's typically it's the same information, right? You know, your name or, you know, your company right. name. Uh, and so you can just change that and hit submit. So it's not as, as scary as it, as, as some may think. And once you do it, it's really simple. So I can bang out a registration in like 10 minutes or less. And if we've registered the material before and we're just changing a few things, I can do it in even less time. It takes longer to upload it and get it to them than it does to do the registration process. So that's, that's step one, part one point a from there. Um, you're going to run into your content on the web. It's just, it's, it's invariably going to happen. And that, that could happen from, and if you want to find it, you can Google, uh, your song plus MP3 or MP4 uh, or some variation, and Google will show you where it is. I, 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 would, I, would, I would say as a quick aside, that's a great tip, and I do this for, for my clients. Go set up a Google News Alert with those searches, whatever exactly. it might be, the album name, f- album name free download, album name download, the song name .mp3, and just sit back and, you know, once a day, Google will send you an email. That's a long list. Right. And a lot of it might be garbage, but there could be one link in there where you're like, oh, my God, somebody got the whole album here and has got it posted on their blog. 
Exactly. And, and, and with that, I would say that, that you're going to find that more often than not because pirates, two things, they're lazy and they want people to be able to find it just like they did as easy as possible. So they're going to use lowest common denominator. They're going to use the title. They're going to use your name. They're going to use whatever the most common material is. It's not really search engine optimized past whatever your name is. Right. Right. So then, exactly. You know, the, the, the pirates, they want the recognition. They want to be able to say, I got it out here. It was on my website. They want the, the accolades in their right. in their world. Those are accolades. Um, so they're not going to hide. It's no. I, I see this all the time, you know, in, in, in alerts that I get. It's like I turn around and I'll either send them to the label that's representing the artist and go, here's an FYI in case you're not on it. But um, yeah, you've got to pay attention to that stuff. At- and then the big piece after that is what do you do? Like what's next? And that's what I get a lot, which is I found it. Now what? And, right. and then how do I now make what? take it down? Exactly. And so on that site uh, should be an email address or a contact form uh, or they'll say copyright notice or DMCA. Or you'll find something in their terms of service check, or you can just send footer. it to their. So a lot of times it's in exactly. a very small text in the footer. Exactly. Or uh, and or you can also send it to the host. You can do a, a quick look up on who is and find out who their hosting company is or uh, um, who their registrar is and send a DMCA takedown notice. And we have the, you can find it on the web by Googling it or you can use ours that are on our site um, and then just copy and paste all the relevant information and send that off. And within seven to 10 days, uh, you should see content come down from a good actor. If it's not a good actor, then you may have to keep sending notices. But if you put the hosting company on notice more often than not, you'll see content come down. Now, here's something to think about um, from a marketing perspective. When you find that content, what I like to do is decide, depending on the client, depending on what it is and what we're trying to accomplish. This is why I say with your content, you should know up front uh, from a marketing standpoint, what is your purpose? And if your purpose is to limit distribution, that's one thing. But if you're trying to get your name out there, you're just starting, some piracy may not be so bad. It's just if it's being controlled in a level where it's not your entire album, maybe it's only part of a song, maybe it's it's a whole song. The other piece that you can do instead of flat takedown is also reach out to the site operators and work out a deal. Uh, look, can you can you not release my entire thing and just uh, some sort of trade or some sort of link back for giving them something so that there's some sort of win-win exchange? Because some of these pirates are really good at marketing, and some of that can help propel people to to more eyeballs. Um, now, as long as that's not costing you um, or it's not getting too out of control, then then there's that, 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 just kind of taken into consideration. That's an interesting take on this because I think most people their immediate first reaction is it's a pirate. Oh my God, I've got to take it down. They're not even thinking about anything else. But you're right. You do need to look at what's going on and and determine, is there an actual upside that that is already occurring? Or is there an upside that you can create because right. this happened? And if there isn't, if that doesn't fall within your goals and your plan, that sure, go for the takedown. But you're right. Maybe there's a there's a bigger win here to reach out to them. And I, you know, there, there's so many things you could do. You, if, if they, if they've got an audience, that's what you're looking for is an audience. But, but you can, and you can control that. So, um, uh, I I say this a fair bit, Chris Voss, uh, uh, he's written books on negotiating and, and he's a former FBI negotiator. He follows the, the FBI's definition on this. Uh, it's called tactical empathy. So here, here's my thought process on, on how this plays out in piracy. Um, pirates aren't going to stop pirating just because you ask them to. And we've run into situations where we've brought uh, cases to their front door. We've brought law enforcement to their front door. Uh, again, that doesn't mean they're going to stop pirating. So going with that thought process, what can you provide them with? How can you enroll them into being a marketing agent for you? And one of the fastest ways of doing that, like you said, they're doing it to try and make points. What can you give them that uh, maybe an exclusive, and, and obviously it depends on the size of their audience, but if they're pumping millions of hits a month towards your stuff, why not give them a little slice of something, let them win some some kudos with their friends, and then the trade-off is, is leave the rest of my shit alone. And you'll find that they will work with you under those circumstances. Now, I'm not saying that you should do that with all pirates, but we've 
especially in the music industry, we've done that successfully. We've forced manipulated uh, viral sensations at times. And part of the strategy that I deployed um, was was uh, using these pirates like bots. It, that, that, that's it's a, crazy, but it works. No, you're. I'm just sitting here going, that's just such a crazy concept, but I love it. From a marketing standpoint, I love it because the 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 possibilities are limitless of what you could potentially arrange with somebody. You, you know, it all depends on where they're located, what their country is, how big is their audience size, what does their quote reputation look like online. Um, you know, you've got to remember as 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 a musician, your goal is to continually acquire new fans you should never stop acquiring fans and that pirate is in touch with people who i mean if somebody downloaded and stole your music they're a fan right. uh, you know they may not be your your favorite fan because they right. haven't they're spent the money fan, they're not they your ideal fan. fan but <laughs> it's a fan nonetheless and if you can figure out a way to connect to them Maybe a percentage of those people you can bring over into you absolutely the, can. into the ideal world, and then when they become fans of yours, uh, they will feel a responsibility to you. You, right. you see this all the time, and so um, and uh, you know I, I hear I hear this a fair bit. Uh, uh, not, not so much in the music industry because there's a lot more liberal thought process. But when it comes to course creators and some of these other areas, they say that's not my audience. Uh, and I've talked about this on our podcast before it's that's, they, they say, that's not my audience. And I'm like, wait a minute, you don't know who your audience is. And here's what I do know. If you, if they were listening to it on someone else's site, I'm not sure you have a full grasp on who your audience is. Right. <laughs> they're able to get in front of people you couldn't. So why don't you see what they're doing from a search engine standpoint? How is it that they were able to get a base that you should have gotten? And if you just tell them to take it down and they take it down, where are those people that could have been potential future fans or fans going to go because now they have no direction to go to instead, you know, it's, it's like a flood, right? If you can direct the water a little bit, why the hell not? Yeah, no, you, you're exactly. If you can control it, you're in a better situation. If you, if you just swat it to shut it down, it's just going to go somewhere else. The, the, right. the, 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 the people who download are going to go somewhere else. The pirated release is going to go somewhere else that you may have no idea at that point. That, that's, that's the argument I've had with the RIA, well, since they were a client, um, which is uh, playing whack-a-mole for headlines just costs money. It doesn't solve problems. It's really easy to, that's great. You just got a website. That's great. You just seized another one, but they just created another one. Uh, and now they've created five to your one because all you did was piss them off. Uh, so you've just now made your problem worse. It doesn't, that doesn't solve anything. Um, so there's, there is, there is a place and a time to take people out. Don't get me wrong. But when you're coming up, when you're an artist, when you're trying to do whatever you can, the internet is the equivalent of passing out flyers on Sunset Boulevard to a massive scale that we've never seen before. So why not find creative ways to pass them out and employ all of these people to be passing out flyers for you and let it grow exponentially? Definitely. Definitely. At what point do you need to bring a lawyer in? That that's the other thing. A lot of a lot of musicians are like, I, I I'm told I have to have a lawyer to do all of this registration and takedowns and 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 we know the truth is you don't. But at what point would you say you need to have a lawyer looking at, advising, or executing it for you? Well, I think from a registration standpoint, it doesn't hurt to have an attorney take a look at one of your registration forms, if you're a company or something like that, just to make sure that from a business standpoint, you're setting yourself up right. And I'm not an attorney, but uh, but, but I talk to them all the time and we employ a bunch. Um, so that's that's one element. That doesn't mean that go, don't go register your stuff because it can always be fixed later. So if you just go register it, you don't have a company, you're just a person, you put your own name on it, that's fine. You can always transfer all that intellectual property to a company later. So, uh, uh, and then as far as DMCA notices, anyone can send a DMCA notice. Uh, and I don't think there's any wrong way to fill out a form. Uh, when you, uh, I, I would bring in an attorney when, when all of the pieces line up. So you have your registrations filed. There is a massive amount or a decent amount of your content 
or whatever. Let's just say there's three registrations. So that's 100, up to 150000 per infringement plus attorney's fees uh, if you filed it within 90 days of first publication. So that's three times 150 or you find 10 times 150 as the, as the possible um, uh, exposure. Uh, you found it on a site that has massive amounts of traffic. You're sending them notices. They're not taking it down or they're taking it down, but it's going right back up again and it's going right back up by the same people and they're not getting rid of them. So when those things start lining up, now what you have is, is someone you can actually hit, collect and solve a problem with. Uh, and at that point I would take all of that information. I would PDF, um, all of the examples of them infringing your work. I would record it as best as I could using whatever software you could. Uh, it doesn't have to be elaborate. Just go through the site and show what they're doing. So you have some sort of documentation as to what took place. And then you can show all of that to an intellectual property attorney, uh, uh that ideally that specializes in litigation has actually gone to court and copyright infringement cases before show them and they'll go, Oh yeah, you have a case. And then all you have to do at that point is figure out who they are, and you do this with a case, who they are, where they are, and then more often than not, these cases settle. I mean, we typically settle, uh, we, we settle more than we file on, uh, but once we file, we're usually settled out within six months of filing. Now, we've got cases that have been going on for years. I've got, I've got multiple cases right now that have been going on three years plus, um, but those are, those are rare in comparison to what you could do. So at that point, when you have all of your ducks in a row, when you have something where you can actually collect on, then you bring in an attorney. You say, here's what I've got. What do you think? And at that point, uh, there's something to collect. So there's an incentive for them to get involved. Now, the the who they are and the where they are um, is, a, is, is a big part of this. And as we know on the internet, it's it's not hard to hide who you are. And it's not hard to do all of this Somewhere where there's little to no rules and regulations, meaning these pirates aren't necessarily setting up in downtown Manhattan in New York City, running it out of a server based in the U.S., putting their name in the footer going, hey, here I am if you've got an issue. Some of these people are in Eastern Europe and Asia and the Philippines, and, you know, it's... It's a fake address. What's the reality of actually trying to be able to contact somebody who is, you know, on the other side of the world? So there's two types of pirates. There are the pirates that are that are actually on the other side of the world. And then there are the ones that are attempting to look like they're on the other side of the world. Um, and, And they can both be dispatched. Well, the same at the end of the day. So, uh, you can use publicly available, uh, databases to, uh, research as best as you can. Um, and again, it, it depends on what your strategy is. So, uh, just really quick and I'll, and I'll answer your question. If you're trying to get in a relationship with them and you want to have a conversation, then you can, you can take those email addresses you find and plug them into Skype or, or some other tool and, and believe it or not end up in a dialogue. I get contacted. I've had situations. We have them all the time with pirates who will reach out to me through Skype um, it's not real. They set up the account specifically to talk to me or do whatever nefarious stuff they do. That's fine. As long as we're talking and we're able to work something out through Skype and that's the end of it, I don't care, uh, whether or not they're outing themselves to me right now. Now, if you're trying to find them, this is where an attorney and, a, a case or a DMCA subpoena can be really helpful. So if you sent a DMCA notice under the DMCA, you can then an attorney can can file what's called the DMCA subpoena. So they take the actual DMCA notice that you sent, they attach it to a subpoena, and you can reach out to the the hosting company and say, who is this? Or they can reach out to, to the site and say, who is this? And then you'll get back information. Now, uh, is all of that information always true and correct? No. Uh, a lot of times that'll be bogus information. But the payment information will probably be correct. So you can use that as a perimeter to chase. And then if you file, a, if you end up filing a copyright infringement case, you get what's called early discovery. Um, and with that, you know, subpoenas can fly out the door. So to, to, to answer your question specifically, I would go to the host, the registrar, and the advertisers to find out who and where. Because as you well know, uh, they're not lying to the, where their money's going. Right. So if they've Follow got advertising on the, that's it. So if they've got, if they've got advertising on the site, wherever that is landing, even if it's only a, you'll find, we find this a lot, a PayPal account for a few moments. Um, two things I know to be true. PayPal doesn't want that nonsense going on. 
because they don't want the liability and uh, you'll find exactly where it's going. So we, we spend a lot of t- I spend a lot of time following the money. Uh, Google Analytics codes are good because they'll show you other sites that, that share the same code. And then when you do lookups on those, you can find real information. The other part of that is that, again, uh, you've experienced this yourself. Webmasters are lazy most of the time. So uh, you can take a username. Uh, so that front end of the Gmail account, and again, plug it into Google, yep. and you'll be amazed at what comes up page after page. I mean, Google's a phenomenal research tool. People always say, how did you find this? I was like, I Googled them. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the other thing I've done, and, and, and it's not going to work in, I would say, the majority of the cases, but it's always worth a shot, is just look at the source code on the website, too, because you'd be surprised every once in a while somebody inserts some metadata and there it is, right there, hidden in the source code is somebody's right. name or an email address or something. Affiliate like that. codes, same affiliate thing. Codes. You take the affiliate yep. code and you plug it into Google, and it'll show you all the other places it shows up. So once we get something that I call actionable information, so using the example you said, let's say it's in in uh, in Russia, um, there's action that you can take in Russia, but it's very rare that you find someone that's completely in Russia. Um, you find that, that they don't necessarily keep their money there. Their money's going to be in the UK or it's going to be here in the United States. A lot of it is, is, is a lot of the express aiming that we see is in the United States. This is, this is, as far as the planet goes, the highest, most valuable traffic in the world. So there is not a site I've found on the planet that won't want or be doing something in the United States, whether it's a server or whether it's a bank account or whether it's a PayPal account whatever it is. Um, as far as, uh, uh, Vietnam, the Philippines, uh, Cyprus, China's great. Um, there are laws in those countries. So you could say, okay, well, I'm not going to go to those countries. No, but using China as an example, um, and and this is, this works great for adult. It it, it works in other areas too. Uh, adult content's illegal there and they don't like to be embarrassed. So if I find an operator that's doing something in China, that's not cool and, and, and they're not playing ball, I will package all of that material together and send it to the Chinese government um, with a nice cover letter. And then it all disappears. Because that <laughs> I was just, just going to say, dis- yeah, <laughs> literally just disappears. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely gone. So, um, uh, and and, and I, I say it all the time, like I gave them a life decision. They chose their, they chose what path they wanted to take. Uh, the same thing works in Thailand and it works in the Philippines uh, and it works in Vietnam. Uh, but again, none of these people, the people that I see there, well, Thailand's a little different, but as far as Vietnam and whatnot, people don't like keeping their money there. So if it goes back to following the money and following the path, you can start tightening the box and making it difficult for them just with letters. People say, well, uh, uh, what's the, you know, I keep sending these DMCA notices. It's not doing anything. Well, stop sending it just to the site, send it to the host, send it to their advertisers. They may write back and say, look, this isn't our problem. We're, we're, we're not liable. You're right, but you're making it very uncomfortable because somebody has to answer. And if you do this frequently enough, they're going to start putting pressure on whoever that site operator is and saying, look, you need to stop messing with this person. It's now costing us money. So you can move the people around them towards you. Yeah. And again, ideally get into dialogue with them. You know, I'm a big believer in in this day and age, if you make the most noise, someone will finally do something. And, And a lot of times it could just be, would you, hey, website operator, I'm your host. I am tired of getting a freaking email three times a day for the last six months from this person. Right. Just do something to make them go away or I'm going to have to do something. And don't, that. yes, I, the, 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 the and is don't tunnel, don't let it overtake you. And I see this a lot. People get, and, and you should, you should feel this. You should be pissed that your content's getting stolen. You should also feel proud that your content's getting stolen because somebody thinks it's valuable enough to share it. But it, that came from you. So because it came from you, it, you're, you're going to have an emotion around it. But that doesn't mean it should consume you. Because if you have your registrations in place, if you've done everything you're supposed to do, um, the tools that are there are always available to you. So you can employ them at any time. Uh, I, I, I see, unfortunately, uh, um, uh, a lot of times people get consumed with this and they're hyper, they'll hyper focus on a site with no traffic. 
Like seriously, like the site gets like 50,000 hits a month. I get this from our, from our, from our large studio clients all the time. They'll send me a site. We've got to do something about this site. It's like this site's got 15,000 hits a month. Right. The hell are we worried about? I'm working on sites that's 60 million plus a month. What's, what's happening here? That's such a concern. I got a great idea. Stop going to it. Let's see where they are in a year. Let them grow up. If they're a good pirate, they'll have more to take. I'll spend your money with, with our attorneys and, and go do something about it now, but for the sake of what? Right, right. E- e- exactly. You know, you've got to sort of, you've got to be realistic and look at what is, what's the downside of your stuff being pirated? And if you're a brand new artist, has very little fan base, you've had little to no sales anyway, are you losing sales? Are you losing, you know, you might be losing one or two sales. Is that worth a long-term fight and stressing yourself out? And as you said, just getting all wrapped up in it, it might be worth at least going through the motions the first time. So you learn this process. So you understand what you can do. But if there's no real, you know, I I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but if, if you're just not making money selling your music, and somebody pirates pirates it, and they got six downloads. You're not losing anything. Think the other part to that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The other part is I, I like to say the term electronic lasso. If you know you can shut it down at any given time, you're actually in in the power seat. Right. So, like, so what? So somebody else learns your name. Okay, and and you didn't. You didn't get that sale, but the other part of that is that um, that that may not be a market that is going to buy, but that doesn't mean that they can't be little marketing agents. It goes back to the same thing. I look at piracy a lot differently than than, than a lot of a lot of people, and it's probably where our strategies are successful um, because I am not all about coming in with a big hammer. Uh, and start your baseball bat and start swinging because all you do is break shit. You don't solve anything. You just break things at that point. Um, and, and I know what it's like to struggle. Look, what I didn't talk about, and you know this, um, I, I came from piracy at a time when there wasn't tools in place to do anything. There was this law. Judges didn't know what really what the internet was. They didn't have a clue who any, how any of this stuff worked. Um, and our library was one of the first to get slaughtered all over the internet. So uh, in, in those very early days, um, I was experiencing it firsthand. Our business was actually losing money. And I saw that if we didn't do anything, we were going to be done. Uh, there was, uh, there was a, well, here in the early days of, of, of the online adult business, if, if you, uh, saw a banner, well, we were supplying 50% of all photos in men's magazines. There was about an 80% chance that a banner photo was ours. Um, and the dating profiles, absolutely. Uh, so we had a huge thumbprint. And so when piracy started happening, it happened to us first. And then, uh, all of those tools ended up being deployed into the mainstream market and the adult or the, the, the music industry where I came from. And, um, so it kind of came reverse. I left Hollywood in the music business, went into adult and then jumped back in through this. But, um, uh, the, 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 the point is, is that, um, I know what it feels like to have my stuff ripped off and get into those emotional cycles. But once you start realizing that you're in the control of it, you can control the marketing that these people are actually working for you. Uh, as long as you choose to let them work for you, then there's a lot of possibilities that can come from that. A lot of opportunity that can come from that. And if you listen to the traditional media, you listen to the, the, the industry as a whole they're especially in music, they're trying to, accomplish their goals and objectives, right? The electronic, the, the EFF wants their 12 million in donations a year for their operating budget. The RIA needs their money every year to be able to further their goals and objectives, which by the way, aren't specific artists, specific, uh, um, uh, uh, rules and regulations, right? So they're, they're, um, uh, they're trying to protect, they say the industry at large, but really who are they protecting? They're protecting labels, um, the money always flows back to them. It doesn't really flow down to the artists. So individual artists need to take control of all of these pieces like they never have before. They need to be the creator. They need to be the manager. They need to be the the in control of the physical copies themselves. They need to be in control of all the elements of their business. Does that mean that they shouldn't uh, that they need to be fully consumed and not uh, allow themselves to be artists? No. What I what just came out of my mouth 
okay, add an extra hour, two hours a month, you could do all of these things and then outsource what it is. But you still need to be aware of it. Well, you, that that's the key. You've got to be aware. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to actually physically do it yourself. You could still have a manager, but you know, as 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 we talked about on this podcast last week, don't give your manager total control of everything without you having any access to it. Because, That's the most insane thing I can think of. <laughs> you know, we all know of relationships eventually end. You know, the best band manager relationships that lasted decades eventually end. Um, you know, I just I was talking to somebody yesterday, um, Johnny Z from Megaforce Records, and he was like, you know, I used to we I managed Anthrax for many many years, and we finally just realized, you know what, we we just need to go our separate ways. It's better for all of us. It wasn't like there was anger and hatred and animosity. It's just like you know, sometimes change just it will change. Always happens. Let's put it that way. So. Yeah, you've got to be in control. You've got to at least say, all right, manager, you go set up and take care of all of my distribution and do all of this and all my registrations and all of my copyrights right. for me. But give me back the registration numbers. Give me back the login details of what you created for the account to register. Give me all that information. You can just throw it in a file somewhere and forget about it. But at some point in time, you're going to need it. Also the website. Make sure the URL is in your name. Yes. That's every, a big one. Every, everything. I mean, you know, I started the show off here. You know, I went out and registered. The Music Biz Weekly podcast is a registered trademark to my name. Now, is there going, you know, this this show has been around for since 2011. Um, are there people trying to infringe on this? No. Am I, am I egotistical to think people are? I don't think that for a second. But. It's for protection in case something happens. Right. Example being my other podcast, Three Sides of the Coin, trademark that. And two years ago, I actually had to enforce the trademark. And it went fine because a podcast showed up on coin collecting called Three Sides of the Coin. Doing my little due diligence, I found the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel led to this website. I found the contact form. I just sent them a nice email saying, hey, and again, this costs no money because I didn't right. want to get a lawyer involved right from the get-go. And to some extent, that can set the wrong tone if the first communication is a cease and desist. So it was just a simple email. Hey, I don't know if you're aware, but we've got a show called Three Sides of the Coin. I have the registered trademark. Here's the number. We would really appreciate it if you could change the name of your show. They emailed, emailed back within 24 hours. Oh, my God, we're so sorry. We didn't even think to look. Of course, right. we'll change the name. Done deal. And it cost no money in legal fees to make that happen. That, that's a really good lesson because more often than not, people don't realize that messages like that will go a lot farther than using an attorney. The other part that, that gets lost sometimes is that uh, you don't, because if you get an attorney, other people feel like they have to get an attorney. I'm not saying that attorneys don't serve a purpose because there's not a day that goes by that I don't talk to at least two of them. Uh, and that includes Sundays. But uh, what, what ends up happening is, is your attorney may try and milk you or the other side's attorney may try and milk the situation, which is going to cost you money. And every time, every minute that they're working, they're billing. So even yep. if they say, okay, I'll send the letter for $250 or $500, then there's going to be a reply. And then there's going to be two minutes to review that. And, and a they're going to talk call. to you. And, right. Next thing you know, you got a $5,000 bill and you're like, what just happened? Cost me $5,000 um, to stop some mom and pop from using my trademark? I could have when, done that myself. There it is, right there. That's it. Um, so again, this is why... This is why I'm doing, I'm having so much fun doing what I'm doing now, which is, which is I realized, um, that as a company, we could only service so many people. But what I also realized was everybody's a content producer. Now doesn't matter what industry you are. Everyone has a device. Everybody's uploading. Everybody's putting out content all the time, whether or not they're, they're commercializing it. That's a different story, but all of that content has rights and permissions and things that, that travel around. And so there was no way we could teach everybody all the tools that we know uh, uh, just by doing it on to one-to-one basis. So I was, I, I was hopeful that, that our stuff will actually get, get pushed out. Pirates want to steal it and share it amongst themselves to figure out how to combat it. Great. Um, but, but if, if, if 
you don't need an attorney right away. You don't need to take the hammer right away. And you don't need to see it as necessarily a bad thing. I, I think piracy used to be a lot worse than it really is uh, now. Um, Napster was evil for mm-hmm. the music business. Now it's a little least, at least more complicated to download uh, music, um, which is which is good because it's forced people to get smarter. And with smarter comes new opportunity. Um, but there are some fronts now that we're watching uh, where we have it's a fine line between whether or not they're going to be good actors or not. And, and I'll give you, if you want, I'll give you an example. I'm watching, I'll just, I was, sure. we typically, so one of the things that, that we do is, is I, I say like we're snipers. We'll sit in the tall grass and wait for somebody. And sometimes we'll wait for years uh, before, before we'll do anything just to track what's going on. So a lot of sites come on our radar. TikTok is actually on our radar right now because they're in that position where it looks like there's piracy going on with music on that site. They're commercializing it. They're benefiting from it. And they're walking that fine line between needing to be responsible under the law and taking the, um, well, if we find out about it, we'll do something approach, which is, which is really kind of like a half ass. Well, we're on it sort of standpoint. Um, I've had multiple, uh, independent artists reach out and say, and this is how I found out about it saying, look, here, here's what happened. Uh, and, and I didn't even, I didn't even realize that was a thing. I mean, you would think that they would go out and license content and then make that available as a catalog and have people pull it, um, and, and have a, a smarter business model. But it appears there's, there's a lot of, you know, when it starts happening more than five or six times, that's no longer a leak. That's a business model in the right. works. And so that's, that's what's going on right now. Um, and I think, but again, using, going back to that viral situation, um, uh, what's that hometown song and some of the others, yep. they're famous because of, uh, yes, they're famous because of a lot of reasons, but TikTok is, is pushed a lot of songs into, uh, viral sensations. So again, there's Benny to it. That doesn't mean you should let them fully exploit your stuff. Um, and, and not at least hip check them that they should pay better attention to it. But, but if you can, the other side to that is from a marketing standpoint, if you can slip stuff in there, you could be good. Do, so they're, do, they're kind of, we're watching, we'll see do, what happens. Do you think that. stuff like that with TikTok and what you're watching, the change will eventually come when the record labels go, okay, enough's enough. This is money coming out of our pockets. Either you license our catalog or we shut you down. Cause it seems like at the end of the day, once the record labels care, then change happens because they've got the muscle, they've got the money, they've got the manpower. They can they can go after this. They own right. the, they own the copyrights. Right. Well, I think that uh, labels. That the, uh, forgive the sigh. Um, I, I get I get frustrated with what the music labels do sometimes because the I, I know firsthand that the motivation isn't always in the best interest of protecting the music and getting the artists their due. And that, um, on a real level pisses me off. So I I think that, um, the artists will eventually move and really all they want to do is get paid and put the money back in their own pocket. So, uh, and I'm not saying that they're all bad and they're evil and all these things. It's just that sometimes their motivation doesn't make sense. And this just doesn't, this, this comes from experience after experience and I'm open to new experiences and I'm, I'm, I'm open to helping them out. Uh, but, um, I get, I've been let down <laughs> by labels before. So I think that, um, yes. Yeah, so when do they typically show up? Uh, it usually takes multiple labels simultaneously to do something. Uh, it's usually a coordinated effort and they're smart. They wait till somebody grows up a little bit and then they come in and they tell somebody that they need to stroke a check. And we saw this with Apple. Apple is a great example of that. When iTunes first came out, um, lawsuits or the threat of lawsuits started flying and checks started flying. And that was, you know, Apple chalks it up to their cost of doing business and everybody goes on and, and, and now there's a new business model that exists. So that's, um, they will get involved in some point that does, uh, that will result in change, but that doesn't mean that that's how it has to come. If you're an artist that has a big enough catalog that's being exploited somewhere or a group of artists that has a big enough catalog exploited somewhere, uh, up to $150,000 per registration times whatever adds up no matter who you yeah. are. Yep. So that, 
Uh, now, do we ever expect here? We file. I've got a lawsuit right now. I've got a a, 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 a case that's being written up right now. It'll be filed in the next probably three or four weeks. Uh, I'll have a draft tomorrow to read from from the attorneys. There are in excess of three thousand. Hear me, three thousand registrations being infringed. Now, do I expect to see three thousand times one hundred and fifty thousand? No. But is that going to definitely have an emotional response from the other side? Is that going to cause oh, yeah. them to they'll, rethink they'll, they'll, their they'll existence on the planet? They'll definitely read it. They'll definitely have to stop and think about how am I replying to this? Right. So, so that is so. So, imagine if it's a hundred or fifty or ten times one fifty. So, at that point, it doesn't matter who you are coming. The only the who you are um, is really just somebody checking themselves as to does this person have the bandwidth the financial resources the fortitude the the, the team to be able to fully enforce these rights and um, there are ways to telegraph that as an individual artist um, we've seen it with groups all the time um, in, in various areas they just make it very clear we're a dog on a bone and we're not letting go until you give us what we want yep you want to affect change go affect change and it's not it's not but but you have to be ready to do that. You can't just run into the firefight half-ass and then go, I need more ammo. Oops, I forgot to bring it. You have to fully commit that that's what it is. And, and I see that I see that as a last resort when you've exhausted all the other tools in your toolbox. Yep, yep. Um, let me give one last question here. So what, in your opinion, what could change to to help this when it comes to the internet? You know, I, I've seen people talking about, and it's been going back and forth for years. You know, is Google doing everything that Google can to 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 bury pirates so that their search results don't show up? Because if people can't find you, then nobody can go steal it. Um, or are they playing that? Well, you know, we're running, we're, we're making advertising money off of these websites. Um, what what kind of things do you think? could change to 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 better this you brought up a good point and i forgot to mention that earlier really quick which is when you send your dmca notices out you can also send them to the uh google and yahoo and the other companies to to remove those links from their search engine uh, i think that service providers let's that, that that's really what they are are doing what they're supposed to under the law and i think that they're i don't believe that there's a absolute way to filter all of it effectively. And when I say that, let's use YouTube as an example. YouTube is overkill right now with filtering stuff out. There's a lot of, I think, hiding in there. And again, I'm not an attorney, but I'm probably one of the, I definitely have enough experience to talk about it. Uh, there's a lot of fair use arguments uh, in, in some of these takedowns that are going on with music, you upload a video and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, well, we can't show this video because the music's in there. Well, it's fair use. And we saw this with Prince, right? There was a lawsuit years ago around that. Um, so I think that there's, there's overkill when they try and do too much. They miss the point because when you automate it, things just happen. So, uh, I don't think there's an absolute way right now unless everybody agrees to come together as to what that looks like. And I don't think that that's a real possibility. So I think we have systems in place that can solve what needs to get solved right now. Google's not, Google shouldn't do any more than Google's doing right now. And under the law, they open, this is the messed up part about the DMCA, right? It was signed in 96, 97. It's fucking outdated already. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. If swearing. I don't know if that's cool in your that's podcast, fine. but it's, it's, it's totally outdated. Um, and the guys, the, the men and women that would decide it right now are so busy arguing about bullshit and they don't have a clue how their freaking internet works. They're staffing out all of their social media. They're staffing out all of their, all of their stuff. So the same, and a lot of times we're talking about the same group of people who haven't learned anything since 1997 that are still there. So, um, all we're going to potentially run the risk of is more bad situations so but but as it exists under the law right now if google oversteps they're liable if google starts searching if google starts going through all of this they potentially have what's called red flag knowledge they now open themselves up to being a participant in the infringement that takes them out of the service provider category and makes them an infringer they can be sued for that so 
uh, and that that goes on and on and on. We saw that with with Viacom versus YouTube and some of these other situations. So uh, uh, service providers need to respond, but they they absolutely can't right now do anything else. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And the laws are getting like Section 230 right now and FOSTA and SESTA. And there's a lot of, and I'm using, I'm saying a lot of this stuff and you can research it if you want, but really the end of the day is the same thing. There's these attempts at creating more effective laws to, to deal with this. Um, but none of it in my mind is really a solution. Uh, it, it's, it's about shifting liability. So I don't, I, the short answer is no. There's nothing Google can do right now differently. I think they'd like to do something, but they're, again, they're a business, right? All these companies are businesses. Facebook's a great example of that. Facebook's a business. Facebook is going to comply to a point, uh, but but the second that starts costing them advertising revenue, that's it. Game's over. They're stopping. They're picking up the phone. They're calling their lobbyists and saying, shut this shit down. Yeah. So again, so what do you do in all of that? Nothing is hopeless. There are systems in place. There are tools in place that you can, I've talked about them. You've talked about them in this, in this podcast episode. Just utilize the tools that are in place and realize that there are things that can be done, but you have to be the one that takes responsibility for your content and does something about it. Jason. Don't leave it up to someone else. This was fascinating. Um, I, you know, You've got an open invite to come back and, you know, maybe we'll have a more focused discussion on one area next time. Um, I feel like this is just an area that gets glossed over by so many people, especially in the DIY space. You know, your your time is so limited. You prioritize what what you can get done. And the last thing is like figuring out how to deal with copyrights and trade. Yeah. But here's, but and, here's and, one last thing, but your legacy is, is valuable. Like oh, protect I, that. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. So the more we talk and educate this, the better it will be because the reality is as, as you've stated earlier, this isn't a ton of work. It, it's a new area that you're not used to. I mean, you know, I always come back to, I hear this time and time again, I just want to be a musician. I don't want to be a businessman. I don't want to be a marketer. I don't want to be a lawyer. I just want to write music and play music. I'm like, that's great. But in this day and age, you got to wear a few more hats. If right. if this is your real career path, and, and I was going to bring this up earlier, one of the big reasons why you will also want to get all this protection is it might mean nothing to you right now as a nobody band, but if you intend that this band 10 years from now is going to be huge and cutting deals and sponsors, people are going to want to know, do you have the rights? Do you have the trademarks? Do you have the copyrights? Do you have the protections? If I'm going to, we, we in the simplest terms, we've seen this many times, a label signs a band, oh, there's a band that already has this name. Well, you've right. got to dump the name you've had for the last 10 years. Why? Because they've got it trademarked. Are we going to... Well, that's, that's the big difference. You're not talking about just bringing you to the party. You're now bringing an intellectual property portfolio yep. that's that's properly organized. And, and to another business, a label, whomever, they can now take that and go, that's oh, okay. worth a lot. Not only is it worth money, right, I know exactly what I can do with that. And, 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 they, and they know if it comes to the table properly documented properly protected they don't have to spend any money to document and protect this because may, maybe they would go about doing that on your behalf and charge you back for it by the way it's right. not going to be done oh, absolutely <laughs> um, because they see enough upside to it but if you bring it to the table it's just one more thing that people are like yeah, no problem. I'll I'll sign that sponsorship deal with you because I don't have to worry that somebody's going to come out of the blue going, uh-uh-uh, I own the trademark to that name that you are now paying big-time bucks for. Right. Cut me in on it. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, what 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 my, my co-host Jay always says, it's not about the money. It's about the money. That's brilliant. <laughs> like so it's true. always about the money as, as as we said earlier on you just follow the money trail the money always exposes 
always gives you the real motivation behind stuff. There's a reason why math is the only international language. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Jason, again, this is fascinating. Thank you so much. One more time, where can people go find you on the internet if they've got more questions? And I suspect they will. You can go to intellectualpropertyhq.com, IPHQS.com for short, and we have a Facebook group called Intellectual Property HQ Community on Facebook, and uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Or you can just Google Jason Tucker Copyright, and I'm sure some stuff will come up. And most of that's true. Awesome, Jason. <laughs> that shows up in the search engine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got some haters out there. I don't mind. They spread the message. Yeah, but you know what? If you've got haters, that means you're doing something right. Uh, that, that's what that that that's what I've learned is like it, you're doing something that somebody's passionate about. That's all Absolutely. that matters. That's it. All right, thank Jason. You. Thank you so much for joining us. Just want to do a quick wrap up. Thank you so much for Jason for joining us. That was some incredible information. Um, as always, the Music Biz Weekly podcast. We would be so appreciative if you hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you went over to iTunes and left us a review and a rating, it means so much to us. It helps expose us. It helps put us in front of more people. And we love to see what you have to say. And of course, leave your comments on YouTube. Leave your comments on Facebook. We really want to hear what you have to say about our shows. And let me know. Here you go. A little homework. Do you Have you had any experience with IP? management? Have you had to deal with a DMC takedown? Have you had to deal with pirates? Have you had to deal with copyright or trademark infringements? I'd love to hear your experiences. Head over, leave your comments wherever you watch or listen to us. And that's it. The Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We are out of here. See you next week. Jason Tucker is not an attorney. All of the information shared on this free podcast is his opinion and not legal advice. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. See you next time.